The two natures, my friends, are the most significant thing to understand as a Christian. This is the battle. This is what's happening. This is the conflict that you're finding yourself in probably every day. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Welcome to In Grace, I'm Jim Scudder. Today on our program, we will be answering your Bible questions, and we're gonna answer really good questions today. Uh, one is, are the Holy Spirit and the new nature the same thing? And we're gonna talk about the differences between the Holy Spirit and the nature that we get when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we also have a question that is, it's kind of a long question, but let me boil it down. It's talking about the word day in Genesis in the story of creation. Is that really a 24-hour day? And then there's a question within a question, and that is with the fourth day creation when the sun, moon, stars were created, let there be light. What, how, how is the light different from the beginning, the first day of creation, than the light from the sun, moon, and the stars? And uh, how could these really be 24-hour days? Well, I'm going to give you biblical answers. And these are good questions. Those that believe in each day is a long period of time, they have a real problem. And that is <laughs> we, have, um, we have plants uh, created before the sun. So that's even a worse problem than the light before the sun. And I'll, I'll give you a biblical approach to this and, and my, my understanding on that. And I think that'll satisfy you. So we're going to talk about this and more today on In Grace. Don't forget Wednesdays here today, Wednesday nights, we have the InGrace television program on TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. It's the largest Christian television network in the world, and we are privileged to be on every Wednesday night. So you can check it out, or if you don't get TBN, you can watch us anytime for free on YouTube or Roku. Just search for InGrace. What we're going to do today is look to the Word of God to give us some answers. These are questions that you all have submitted. And isn't it wonderful to know that the Bible actually has the answers to our modern problems? Uh, and here again, we're going to find that out today. So this is a really good question. This question is, are the Holy Spirit and the new nature the same thing? If so, how? And if not, what are the differences? Also, what spirit was the old nature? That's a great question. In the first part of that question, I will answer no. The Holy Spirit and the new nature are not the same thing. The Holy Spirit, though, at the moment of salvation, the Bible says you're being born again. The Holy Spirit indwells you and is that agent that gives you the new spirit. And the Holy Spirit that indwells a Christian will be able to cooperate with the new nature to allow you to do those things which are right and not do those things which are wrong. This is the Christian life. This is the battle. That nature that we were born with doesn't go away. You say, well, why not? Why not at the moment of salvation doesn't the old nature go away? Wouldn't that be awesome? So literally, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive him by faith as your Savior, the one who died and rose again, God in the flesh died for us and rose again by shedding his blood. He pays for our sins and we've received that gift. At that very instant, the old nature is gone. 
Man, I tell you what, that would be heaven. And actually, that is heaven. Here's the problem, and I thought about this. Why can't the old nature go away at the moment of salvation? Well, the old nature is linked, and it can't be separate from the body, from the flesh. When you read the flesh in the Bible, it's talking about the flesh nature, not the literal flesh, but our flesh does house the carnal, the old man, the old nature. So the only way to eradicate the old nature would be to eradicate this old body. Well, then you can't continue to live on this earth and share the gospel with other people and learn more about the Lord and bring him glory on this earth. And then who else would give the gospel to the other people that are still here? So it has to be that we have both natures. But you don't have to submit to the old nature. You need to submit to the new nature and therefore glorify God. So what does the scripture say about this? Well, let me first say that this misunderstanding of the old and new nature is, I think, what has led to the doctrines of lordship salvation and the false understanding of repentance when people say to be saved, you have to turn from all sin. So here's the problem with that. If you tell someone that is lost, in order to be saved, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life and or, they'll probably say both of these, you need to turn from all of your sin. What's the problem with that? Well, the problem is it's not possible. I mean, what Christian can live without sin? The Apostle Paul had sin. Every person in the Bible, it actually talks about their problems, their inadequacies, their failures, their sins, right? So there'd be no one saved in the Bible. And there'd be no one saved today because we find ourselves still sinning. We don't want to. It's against our new nature, but it's something that we still have. So lordship salvation fails. So what you have to do is either say, well, then you never really made him lord of your life, or you never really repented, a turn from all your sins. Well, don't say that, because that might not be true. I mean, there certainly are some people that maybe think they're saved, and they're not. But I think most people that think they're saved, they have received by faith Jesus Christ. They've trusted at one time in, in their life him and him alone, they are born again, they are saved. So what's the explanation of a saved person still finding sin that is in their life? Well, you have the old nature that you're born with, Romans 8, 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God, right? So you were born with this old flesh, this old nature, and everything about that is sinful, it's wrong. That now you have a second birth, the moment you've received by faith Jesus, and now you have a new nature, and everything about that new nature is good, right? You're a new creature. All old things are passed away. All things are become new. That new nature is only good. It can only do the right things. The old nature is only evil. It can only do the wrong things. So my question to you is, which one is in charge today? Which one are you feeding? Which one are you putting effort into? Well, most Christians today are not feeding the new nature. If they have a choice between church and sports, they're probably going to pick sports. So there's a temptation then to say, well, I want to watch that game. But in Quint at Quentin Road Baptist Church, we've had a saying, three to thrive. Historically, we've been meeting three times a week with three different services. So which one is going to help you the most spiritually, which is to help you the most for eternity? Watching the Bears-Packers game or coming to learn more about the Lord at our church service or watching the stream? Well, obviously you know which one is the one that will build up the new man. So we have these decisions all the time. 
what are we going to do? Am I going to invest in the new nature? Am I going to feed the new nature? Am I going to yield to the Spirit of God with the new nature and allow God to help me to not do those things that are wrong and to do those things that are right? Or am I going to feed the flesh? So it's this battle that goes on, and whichever one you feed, whichever one you exercise is going to be dominant, and that, but you still have the old nature. So therefore, Christians are capable of any of the sins of the unsaved, unfortunately. Now, God will chasten whom he loves. I don't think God's going to let you just continue in a wicked lifestyle if you're a homosexual. I don't think God will let you continue in that lifestyle if you're committing adultery. I don't think God will let you continue in that lifestyle. God will do things and show you how wrong these things are and will correct you if you're saved, which the Bible says if you're saved, he's a loving father who's going to chasten and correct those whom he loves. So how does that happen? Well, there's lots of ways that God can do that. It comes to a certain point, God will actually take a believer who's living carnally and wickedly to heaven. So, you know, my children couldn't just do anything they wanted to do. Some of you parents let your kids do anything they want to do. If you tell them to go do something or you tell them don't do this and they do what you told them not to or they don't do what you tell them to do, there's no consequences. They can just do whatever they want to do. That's not good parenting. Good parenting is I've told you to do something and I expect you to do it and there's no arguments. And my dad had a really great way of showing us the value in obeying him the first time. And mom also contributed to this uh, method. It was spare the rod, spoil the child. But dad didn't spoil the child. He didn't spare the rod. So what are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to discipline your children because you love them and you're not going to let them just behave any way they want to. You're going to make sure they behave the right way. And that's the same thing with God. When you're born again, he's going to help you with that. So we have... The old nature we're born with, we receive Christ, we have a new nature. Spurgeon said this, he said, as salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you can't detect it, you are deceived. How many of you have ever taken a sip of ocean water? How many of you have taken a sip of dead sea water? Really, really strong salt, and you know, you will be gagging if you take a sip of that. Well, the old nature is permeated with sin. But that's why we need the new nature. Not only because of getting us to heaven, but also for us to live the life that he wants us to live. Are you ready for an adventure like no other? Dive into a world of discovery within Grace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. Immerse yourself in the awe-inspiring beauty of the Grand Canyon and uncover the captivating evidence of Noah's Flood. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to InGrace. Simply call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Ken Ham and Ark of Noah, which explores the geological evidence that supports the Bible. For your gift of $100 or more, you can enjoy our entire Creation Series bundle, including eight sensational video series. Call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. That's 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Again, that's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. 
Turn your Bibles there to Galatians 5, verse 16. Then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. They're contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, verse 18, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then you have a whole list of just terrible things. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, enviance, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Just all the wickedness of the world is incorporated in that list. That's what the lost do. That's what the unsaved do. Here in Galatians, it's talking about how the law, in particular circumcision, doesn't save you. And if you're trying to be saved by the law, you're lost. And this is the outflow of the old nature, the flesh nature, the old man. It's all bad. The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against there is no law. That's how I want to be. That's how God wants you to be. That's how God is. That's what he wants of you. But we have this battle that goes on between the old and the new. Ephesians 4, says, put off concerning the former conversation or behavior, the old man. So it's kind of like in the morning, you can take off your robe or pajamas or whatever, and then you're going to put on the clothes that you're going to walk around in today, which if you're working from home, it's the same thing. You put back on the robe and the pajamas you're taking off something. You're making a decision today. I'm not going to walk in the old nature. I'm not going to walk in the flesh. I'm going to put on the new man. The old man is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The two natures, my friends, are the most significant thing to understand as a Christian. This is the battle. This is what's happening. This is the conflict that you're finding yourself in probably every day. Am I worrying too much? Am I getting angry? Am I lustful? Whatever it is, that's the old nature. It's all bad. It's all wrong. But then you have the new nature if you've been born again. The Holy Spirit gives you the new nature. And now you can put that on every day. But it's a decision. I'm going to not yield to the flesh. I'm going to yield to the Spirit today. So how has that happened? How is the new nature imparted to us? 2 Peter 1 tells us that. In verse 3 it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So when you get saved, you get everything you need. And as a matter of fact, most people when they get saved, they don't realize all this. Everything that's happening at that moment of salvation you are provided everything you need. There's nothing that you're short of. You have everything you need, whereby, verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine knowledge, having escaped the corruption that in the world through lust. So the new nature is all good. The old nature is all bad. You're born with the old nature. You get the new nature when you're reborn. And then that's the battle. Who are you going to yield to? Who are you going to feed? Who are you going to exercise? And I hope that is uh, the new nature. Good question, though. Good question. The next question. When taking the scripture literally, 
And the word day in Genesis, meaning a 24-hour day, by the way, let me stop there. That's what we do. When we look at Genesis 1, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it talks about all the things that were created on the first day, and then it says the morning and evening were the first day. We believe that is a literal 24-hour day. Now, that goes against evolution, which says that it took millions of years for all these things to come. Uh, and it's a misunderstanding of geology is really all that is. If you think it took millions of years for us to get here, first of all, even if you gave it trillions and trillions of years, it's not enough time. The only thing that makes evolution plausible to the human mind is give it enough time. You can't give it enough time. It's impossible. Science says you cannot get life from non-life. You can't get it. Okay? So first of all, that's where we start. But it says... In the Hebrew, it's a literal day. It's a 24 a regular normal day. So in other words, creation took six days and the seventh day he rested. That also means the earth isn't that old. According to genealogy, we read um, the earth probably isn't more than six or 7,000 years at the most. Why would they say that, you know, we've had all of these millennia of time that has passed. Even some Christians have put long ages into Genesis, which it doesn't fit that well, but they shove it in there. Why? Because the general consensus of the day is that's what happened, so let's fit it in there. So each day is not a real day, it's a million you know, years or whatever. It's an age, not a day. Well, I don't think we can do that with Scripture, and I don't think we need to do that because the Genesis flood explains the geology that we see, all the different layers. And that's the proof usually that a evolutionist or uniformitarian would say it took all of these, you know, year after year after year to lay down all these little layers, paper thin layers to eventually get the Grand Canyon layers. But the Bible says that the fountains of the great deep open and we could see all the sediment forming by tidal activity in a short amount of time. So anyways, 24 hour day, going back to the question, how can we reconcile the first day of creation when God said, let there be light and divided the light from the darkness and called them day and night with the fourth day of creation when the sun, moon, and stars were created. Without these heavenly bodies and the rotation of the earth, how could the first day be 24 hours? And that's a really good question, actually. I think the question probably comes from the viewpoint of someone that believes that each day was a long period of time, though. And if that's the case, sometimes it's better to answer a question with a question. Those that believe these aren't literal days but are long periods of time, they have a worse problem than we do. That is, day three, God created dry land, grass, plants, and trees. Created on day four, the sun. So could the plants and the trees and the grass have lasted millions of years without the sun? Big problem. Big, 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 big problem. But we're still going to answer this question. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Did you know right there, God created the three dimensions that we understand that we know? We have time, space, and matter. In the beginning, time. God created the heaven, space. God created the earth, matter. And from that, he created everything else. He created the building blocks, and the earth was without form and void. So the earth was, I believe, probably proportionally created, but it wasn't formed yet, Okay. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then we see, in verse 3, this light appears. 
God said, let there be light. Now he's not creating the sun, right? He's creating the sun the fourth day. So he's not creating the sun. What is this light? Well, a lot of people have had a lot of different theories and the theories are fine. As long as they believe in a literal 24 hour day, they can theorize, you know, was this hydrogen God had created forming this light or was this the material that he would create the stars from? We don't really know. My guess is it was a temporary light source. Maybe it had something to do with the Spirit of God moving the face of the waters, creating energy and that creating a light. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light. It was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. So you have a light source, probably similar to the sun, not the sun. And then you have division of darkness and light. Probably have rotation right then. Okay, we don't know, but God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning. It's funny too, those that don't believe in a literal 24 hours, it says the morning and the evening. I mean, it's like, how much more clear could God be? The evening and the morning were the first, what, day. Okay, and day two, he created the rakia, the firmament. Day three, dry ground, grass, plants, trees. Day four, sun, moon, and stars. So, you say, well, then how would you be able to tell if it's a day without the sun? Well, let me ask you this. Any of you ever been in a submarine? I had a friend that was a submariner. He was in the Navy. Can you imagine that? Going to a tube and going underwater for days and days and days and days and days? You know? But you know what? They can still tell time in a submarine when they're deep water for months without the sun. And if a submariner can figure out how to tell time, I think God can figure out a way to tell time, okay? I don't really think it's that big of a problem. I don't. I think the bigger problem is the one that I expressed. Those that believe in long ages have a real problem here. So I think the initial light was created. It was a temporary light. It was divided. Perhaps the earth was even rotating at that point, but that was a literal 24-hour period of time. And then the next day, God continued the creation. We'll stop right there. Tomorrow, we're gonna to answer more Bible questions. Uh, one of the questions tomorrow is, what does God in the Bible have to say about birth control? Is using birth control the same as abortion? So we're gonna talk about that, talk about abortion. One is, I have a Christian friend who says that you can't be pro-life and also be for the death penalty. Uh, so how, how do we balance those two things? Well, I'm just gonna give you a quick little answer because I can't just leave it alone. Um, I am pro-innocent life. And that means that if someone takes a life intentionally premeditated, that person's life should be forfeited. But let's protect that unborn, that preborn baby, because they are the most vulnerable and the most innocent. Again, we'll answer those tomorrow, but I just couldn't help myself. Uh, don't forget, we have a really neat product I'd love for you to get and watch or give away. It's called Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure, where we take a really neat family on an amazing rafting trip, an adventure, whitewater, and sleeping outside under the stars. We have a PhD geologist, PhD astronomer with us, Danny Faulkner and Andrew Snelling. Uh, we show you the, the different uh, layers of the Grand Canyon, how they had to be formed by water and eroded by water. It's not millions of years. It's Noah's flood. You want to get this powerful video. It's for your gift of any amount. I'll thank you by sending you this video. Some of you want to give more than just five or 10 or $20. If you can give a gift of $35 or more, we're going to thank you by sending you two more 
awesome videos that have to do with the ark or the flood of Noah. One's called the Ark of Noah, more than a story. The other one is called the Tour of Noah's Ark. You get all three of these videos as my thank you, either DVD or digital download. Now, the big one. We've got a creation bundle, eight of our most popular series about creation. One's underwater. One is looking out at the vastness of the universe and talking about astronomy. One's a dinosaur dig. We have all these awesome adventures. Eight of these for your gift of $100 or more. Every time you give a gift to In Grace, more people hear the gospel. So I would love to hear from you today. Either call, write, or go to our website. Dive into a world of discovery with InGrace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to InGrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two more video series about Noah's Flood. Or get the entire eight-series creation bundle for $100. Call 800-78-GRACE, visit ingraceradio.com, or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.